Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Practical Wisdoms for Life podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Amanda, and our very special guest, Irina Van Patten. So Irina is a writer based here in the Pacific Northwest, and I actually found out about Irina through another author who shared, we sort of got connected that way, so that was amazing. Uh, the, the beauty of connections, it's a small world. And Irina is an immigrant from the Republic of Moldova. And you know, what's really neat is it's a unique blend of the Eastern versus the Western. Um, and she brings that into her writing. And in her new book, Welcome to America, Welcome Home, An Immigrant's Guide to Success, it's based on interviews that Irina has done with American immigrants and professionals alike, illuminating successes and hardships as immigrants try to assimilate and succeed in America. So this is gonna be really fabulous. Today we're gonna to talk about Arena's experiences as an immigrant and the insights that she shares in her book. So welcome, Irina. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me. That's such a pleasure to talk to you ladies. So excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, this is gonna be a great conversation. And so for all our listeners out there, if you're joining us for the first time, Make sure you don't miss a single episode by subscribing to Practical Wisdoms wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're hitting that subscribe button, just take that extra second to click all five stars. We would love to have you share the love. Okay, so let's get right into the questions. And Amanda, um, you know, knowing that uh, Jaime, your husband, is an immigrant from Peru, let's start with you. Yeah. So, Irina, you immigrated here from Moldova in Eastern Europe, as Lynn mentioned, and immigration is is actually a topic that's really close to me. As Lynn just said, my husband, Jaime, is from Peru in South America, and he's had numerous experiences of culture shock, communication barriers, people mispronouncing his name, and so much more. So, as an immigrant, can you share some of the experiences as an immigrant that you've had here and how these first led you to want to write a book? Uh, it's actually the theory of what was what came first, the chicken or the egg. So did I start writing because I was an immigrant or uh, am I immigrant and that's why I'm writing? Actually, the interesting part of it is that I didn't start writing only because I'm solely an immigrant, but um, I always want to be a writer. So at that, at that time back home, uh, my uh, as a teenager, my first goal was, you know, I, I'm going to apply for college. I'll be a writer. I'll be a journalist. Um, but I, as I'm graduating for high school, uh, the whole country collapses. Everything changes around us. So there is no, the option of writing it was not there anymore because it was not a time for writing at all. You just get a job. You try to provide for your family. Then when I moved to America at age 34. Uh, I had to start uh, over. And my priority at the time was also not to write uh, because my English was my third language, and uh, definitely writing in English at that time didn't just, was not my first choice of, the, of a job. So uh, as life gets into my uh, in the way of my dreams, then I come here, and many, many, many years, 40, 40 years later, I start writing and now in English. And then I'm thinking, oh, so what am I going to write about, right? And here you go, the, the experiences of being an immigrant in America, it comes in very handy because... Uh, you know, you as you just mentioned, you have the clash of languages, clash of cultures, of misconceptions. They always make for good stories. And what I find out is mostly 
those uh, clashes uh, uh, is, a, is a breeding ground for funny stories because it's always something happening that people misunderstood you. And I would probably say that my first encounter with a with a culture clash because I was speaking English at that time and I thought you know I speak you know pretty good English, but then. And I literally described this uh, episode that uh, happened uh, in, a, in a true life and tr true life event uh, when I first got uh, pulled over by a traffic police officer, um, and we have this uh, misunderstanding of a language barrier. And I described this in, in, the, in the chapter called uh, "Hands on the Wheel" or "Lost in Translation." And uh, I, I, to this, I, I start laughing as, I, as, I, as I'm speaking. Uh, so he pulls me over. And uh, uh, it tells me, like, you will normally talk to, to any person, stay in the car, hands on the wheel. Guess what I thought when he said, the uh, hands on the wheel. So I'm pulling my hand, you know, all the way out of the window, trying to reach the wheel of my car on the ground. And <laughs> <laughs> the whole story, you just go downhill from there. So he's looking at me like I'm an alien. Ma'am, what are you doing? You know? And I'm thinking, what you just told me, you have a gun, I have to listen to you. And that story just had to be written down. So it starts from simple things like everyday, everyday things that you don't even think about. So most of, most of us think, oh my gosh, the, the, the story of immigrants, it starts somewhat very big, very grandiose. But no, that's little things, little things every day. How you turn a faucet, you know, uh, how you take uh, um, how the, your, your kids to school. It's all of these experiences make you think about, oh, my gosh, it's like a different world here. So you have to learn like you like like you start walking again, you know, <laughs> so all of this, uh, you know, it makes a lot of um, fun stories to write about because they're so, uh, you know, outrageous and different. And that brings you a lot of, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call it a hardship, but it's kind of like a fun and then scary and then fun again and scary. And the combination of this makes for good stories. It's like a roller coaster. That is a good story. That's a great story. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just the way you interpret it. You know, a wheel is the wheel on your car. I know. That, know that here, you know, you know, colloquial, what they meant was the steering wheel, but they didn't, he didn't say that. Oh no. my goodness! Yeah, for him it was that... totally clear what he meant. But for me, it was totally clear what what he meant too, but in a different <laughs> sense. So, oh my gosh, the, you know, stories like that happen all the time, all the time. Uh, I, you know, that it and it does, and I think that's great. I want to uh, touch, ask you a question because you know we were talking before we started this podcast, um, and we sort of touched on you know that you know after the 2016 election you decided to really expand the scope of your book. And I wanna really dive into this, is how did you change your approach uh, to prepare for writing the book? So be, before, obviously my, my focus, oh my gosh, that's a funny story. I'm gonna write about my experience as an immigrant and everybody's gonna you know, laugh at my own stories with me, hopefully not at me, right? But then in 2016, the, the whole thing has kind of uh, changed and it kind of compelled me to think about everything very seriously. Um, you know, like most Americans uh, moving here, I was taking the American democracy for granted. Uh, so uh, now I'm more aware of things about uh, what's going around me, especially being from the former Soviet Union, I have this perspective 
of a true oppressive how, what a true oppressive country looks like because I lived in it, I saw it. And to me, what I see now in America, some traits, it's very painfully familiar from where I come from. Attack on free press, attack on institutions, interference in judicial process. And probably the most disturbing of all is attack on truth because, you know, first thing that an autocrat could do is is very unsettling. This is the, 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 they all attack the truth. And um, I was looking for answers for, from other uh, immigrants, how they deal with this, because this is a, it is a very stressful time. And this is how yeah. the idea came, came to life. Uh, let, let's talk about to other people, see how they deal with that. And um, honestly, I could write another book how I wrote this book, because everything about this process was so fascinating. First of all, how do you find people to interview? You interview people yourself, right? So you you make a list of people it will be very interesting to talk about. And my first step on the list was uh, the immigration uh, the immigration professionals, which is the lawyers, right? Well, apparently, what I found out that the lawyers are very busy people. Uh, yes. <laughs> 13 immigration lawyers, and I, I kid you not, 13 immigration lawyers for interview, and only one returned my call. So then, then I started my project in July, not to self and to everybody else who wants to write a book based on interview. Everyone is out of town in summer, okay? It's very hard to find people to interview. So start all your projects in September. People take it free advice right there. Anyway, so I decided I have to get creative because I need to get people for interviews. So I went to the uh, fundraising event that Northwest Immigration Rights Project uh, did here in September because I donated from time to time to them and I volunteered my uh, uh, interpreter and uh, translating services to them. So I, I knew about this organization before. So I thought, I'm just going to go there to the fundraising events. I'm going to introduce myself to uh, Jorge Baron and uh, Raul Alvarez was there at the event. So I introduced myself to them. I tell them about my project. And then once they got to know me personally, then they connected me with other lawyer. Uh, Natalie Hansen is her name. And she gave me the most riveting immigrant stories. And that actually became the, you know, the base of my chapter, You Have Rights. And basically, we continued from there because once you put that base you know, you go from there, but you have to look for people that are very interesting to your subject and can give you a, a good material for, for the book. Yeah, no, that's great <laughs> advice. That's great advice. And, you know, I have to tell you, I've, I've looked at the book, you know, it's up on Amazon and it looks fantastic. I'm really excited to read it. But I want to ask you, what's the most surprising discoveries and stories that you uncovered during this process of writing your book? So the most amazing to me personally was there are so many people out there who do great things on their own without any instructions. They just, just do it because they're amazing people. And those are people who you don't hear in the news. They're not famous in any way, but they're just doing noble things. And because of their calling, because some something triggered, like some a life event triggered them to do that. So, uh, for example, I interviewed um, a woman called uh, Stephanie uh, Giddens from Dallas in Texas. By the way, I interviewed people across the country, not only here locally. So that woman was in Texas, and she is a devout Christian woman, but she started this nonprofit uh, sewing company that is solely run by refugee women, Muslim women from uh, Middle East, like uh, uh, Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq. And uh, she, she made her mission to provide them with all the resources to integrate. She was holding English classes. She's uh, invited them specialists for uh, women help, uh, help uh, health and domestic violence to educate them on this subject. 
you know, because those are things that are not taught in, in their countries, and most of the women are most uh, discouraged to learn those things back. And she is a, a Christian woman, a crusader for women rights in a very unique way. I was very impressed by her. Then I talked locally to uh, Claudia Antunia. She's a doctor in psychology uh, here in Bellevue. Uh, by the way, her, her husband is also born. Uh, well, she was born in, in Peru. She's married to a Cuban e immigrant. So that's another story in itself. So she does forensic psychology, psychological evaluation for asylum seekers uh, for immigration court here. And uh, I never met a forensic doctor in psychology before, so you can only imagine how fascinating our conversation was. And it was long, and we talked about a lot of stuff. And one of the uh, subjects that she touched was the separation of the kids whose parents are being deported uh, and the effect on both, well, on both sides. And very fascinating conversation. And she volunteers her time to Northwest Immigration Project, and she's done over 700 evaluations of this country. And those are very time consuming. And to dedicate so much time of your own for the cause, that is that, that is totally amazing. Um, yes, and yes, another yes. thing, uh, one, one more uh, character, it's a Ukrainian lady, Lydia Chernikova from Wisconsin. I interviewed her. She sponsored a Russian asylum seeker who was stuck in California. And their story, I mean, those two people, it's just like saving private Ryan style, really. It was very interesting to talk to both of them how she got him out of the detention uh, as a, so he uh, can apply for his asylum seeker. Right. Yeah, so that was the stories that are the most, um, I would say, um, abbreviating that I cannot forget to this day. <laughs> yeah, inspirational. inspirational. Yeah. yeah, those are amazing stories, and I agree, they're, they're very inspirational. It's great to see how people can help each other and help uh, refugees and asylum seekers and, and all kinds of immigrants. And, I mean, we've been talking about a lot of these different themes, and immigration has certainly been a major and polarizing topic in the U.S. for the, for a long time, and especially in the last few years. Um, have your opinions or the way you talk about immigration changed since the last election? Well, my opinion, my personal opinion on immigration has not changed because I always believe that the immigrants are assets of the country and not a burden. Um, yes. Because we work uh, probably twice as hard to get where we are because we already started a point of some disadvantage when we come here. Um, but um, what has changed is the narrative around us. Uh, when it's become all, all the way, it's sad, uh, uh, you know, it's normalized to talk about immigrants as lazy and unworthy takers. And that's what's changing. I'm very fortunate that I was not affected by this. Uh, lucky for me, uh, no one around me has treated me differently than before, with very few exceptions. I'm very lucky to be supported by American family because I'm married to an American. Um, so I, I also have a very supporting group of writers around me. But, you know, I've been here for 18 years. So I'm in a, in a better position now than I was when I first got here. So I know my rights. I can stand my ground now, you know. Uh, yeah. if, we, if I were to come to America now, you know, hearing all this noise around me when the people could degrade you only by hearing your accent, you know, um, it would be, I would be in a worse situation and it would be so much more difficult for me to adjust. Therefore, I understand how, you know, new, newly arrived immigrants feel now um, and they are so much more vulnerable uh, in comparison with my arrival. So what, what people don't realize when you talk like this about somebody, you just put them down uh, into kind of a segregation because they're afraid to go public, they're afraid to get to, to know us. 
and that doesn't help anybody actually. True. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you haven't um, been treated badly or had people saying bad things to you recently. I, I hear stories about it all across the country and I think it's lucky, maybe it's where we live here in the Pacific Northwest, maybe <laughs> just like the people here are nice or more open-minded because my husband also hasn't really encountered anything like that, at least not yet. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we're lucky, definitely are. Yeah. Definitely. So Irina, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you've noticed that some people have about immigrants and immigration overall? Well, where do I even begin, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if you talk about big misconception, uh, but I would like to talk about the small and funny ones because they're my favorite. Like, for example, everybody assumes I like vodka. So I personally hate it. I don't like the taste of it. I don't like the smell of it. I grew up in Moldova. We are a wine country, so I prefer wine. Um, another thing that I constantly get teased about is, uh, why are you saying it's cold? Are you guys used to cold winters? You know, everybody assumes that I lived in Siberia or something. No, <laughs> I lived in the south. So it was hot in the summer, cold in the winter. But, I, you know, I lived here for 18 years. So I acclimated to the mild, you know, Pacific Northwest winters a long time ago. So back off, you know. <laughs> I didn't live in Siberia before. <laughs> but, you know, I noticed a very interesting phenomenon. You know, the bigger is the distance between the immigrant and the person who talks about immigrants. It's like, for example, they did not talk to an immigrant before. They don't have immigrant relatives or they never traveled abroad. That is also a thing. Uh, the more misconceptions and cliches they have about immigrants. Uh, but for, uh, for more personally, um, if somebody personally knows an immigrant, or someone, their family, like my husband, marries an immigrant like me, <laughs> okay? Then you have less misconception about this. So in my opinion, please don't be so precious. Assume that you know it all. Um, marry an immigrant first and then talk about us trash later, like, like an expert, you know? <laughs> Get it to know us. <laughs> then you can have the real scoop, you know, on, on, on us. Uh, but, you know, marry an immigrant first and then do the old uh, judgment. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I married an immigrant, so but I, I've been learning a lot go. about immigration um, in the last few years. I've been reading books about it. Now you so. can tell him to pick up his socks, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so going on. I the, mean, it's interesting the, because, of course, I. Yeah. Oh, go yeah. ahead. Sorry, yeah, we talked about go it. Go ahead, Lynn. But not everybody can 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 marry an immigrant. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, get to know somebody, right? Get to know somebody. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, All definitely. Right. So, kind of going on the on the theme of uh, misconceptions that people have about immigration, how do you think people can reach? Well, I guess you kind of answered it, but how do you think people can reach common ground on these topics besides marrying an immigrant? <laughs> <laughs> well, but a lot, a lot of options. For example, um, you know, you, you just. First thing that you need to know that you cannot control the entire universe. So you control the world around you and concentrate on that. Uh, like really take taking my writers group as an example, we're from different political backgrounds and you know um, uh, from Christian writers to LGBT community writers. And the way we manage to stay together is by caring. Uh, we gather together socially. We care for each other. If somebody gets sick or the family member gets sick, we call. We send messages. 
um, we had a rider recently who got affected by the mild slides. So we sincerely concerned about her and we, we talk to her and ask how, how we can support her personally uh, to deal with that issue. <clears throat> but the simplest question what I find when you talk to somebody is the question, how are you doing? That's the best one. The simplest is this one. And if somebody says, ah, I'm fine, so no, don't take a listen answer. Ask you, no, really, how are you doing? Insist on that and then listen to empathy because, you know, that that is when you care for somebody, it, it shows. And from that, you can develop a, a personal relationship. But with my family and friends, for example, we can argue very passionately, but there is only one rule. You're allowed to be angry, but you're not allowed to be mean. And you treat yeah. the other person as a human being with respect and they will return the same as a favor. Um, what works every time is to find something that you can both relate to. For example, if somebody likes cooking, we'll talk about recipes. If they have kids and grandkids, we can talk about what brats they are, you know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but the most common ground I find with people is when I talk about me growing up on a farm with my tough grandma who made me work in the garden, you know? A lot of people in America either themselves grew up on the country, which I find fascinating, or they have knowledge about the country settings. So those are the most amazing conversations I personally had. Besides, they can relate to me better because we grew up, either grew up in the country where we know how the, the country people operate. And um, though it seems like it's different worlds, but no, the, the experiences are very similar. I would say the conversation starts, well, did you have goats when you grew up? Yeah. And the conversation could be endless around damn goats. What goats did you have? Did you know they were mean? You know, chicken, pigs. You just talked about farm animals. Here you go. And uh, the, the conversation just goes. And from there, once you build a relationship, you know, anything is possible. Yeah, no, absolutely. We, we do have so much more in common. And uh, just having that conversation and finding those sparks of uh, common interests or common experiences. Um, will drive it further, and, and it does. It's absolutely the key to uh, making those connections. <laughs> so I, I'm going to ask a, a question, Irina, uh, because mm -hmm. I think this is uh, our audiences would love to hear this. You know, what advice um, would you share for immigrants who are trying to make a home in America? Well, if I would make a general advice, I would say, yes. do not worry, it will get better. And no. um, um, some of my interviewers kind of uh, got through those experiences and, and over the years you just have to wait it and and it'll go it'll get uh, some, one of my ladies said you know the ugly caterpillar always turns in a beautiful butterfly it just takes time <laughs> <laughs> it does. That's, that's, a, that's, nice. that's a good and that's a good analogy so, yeah. and, and i would say seek help from your community However, don't stick to it because I think you can find kindred spirit, spirits anywhere. Like for example, in my writers group, I'm a very one or maybe few immigrants in there, but you know, the writing, what's, what keeps us together, it's not the language or the culture, but the, the, the writing. And for example, if you like photography or you like making little model of airplanes, you can find somebody in the, in the community that is outside your normal you know, uh, cultural or language uh, community, you can always find people. Get out, venture out, you know, get out of your uh, comfort zone. Don't be afraid and um, it'll come to you. So don't don't be scared, basically. 
Yeah, that's yeah, that's really great that's advice. Great. So shared interests um, certainly are that same the the foundation um, to expand your um, connections and you know uh, both for yourself and and it enriches your life. So that's that's fabulous. Um, I, Irene, I want to thank you so much for sharing your personal experiences, um, some funny stories about the video, uh, and uh, wider insights into the immigrant experience, um, and also your book, Welcome to America, Welcome Home. And I'd like you to share with our audience where they can find you out there in cyberspace. Uh, so my book is on Amazon, and it's literally, if you if you look by Welcome to America, Welcome Home, you'll find it. My writer's page is Coffee and Sangria Talks with Irina uh, uh, Van Patten. I uh, thought that uh, that's a perfect combination with coffee and sangria. You, you can talk about a lot of things, <laughs> depending how far you want to go. Uh, so uh, on my writer's page, you also can find the links to my book. And uh, and generally, uh, you know, let's uh, meet around here uh, in the writers group and talk about stuff. Uh, we would love <laughs> to have you in our writers group if you're a writer. Uh, come join us uh, at the writers group, and uh, Lynn knows probably the links to our writers group, right? Oh, uh, well, anywhere in the world, right? There's writers <laughs> groups, and and uh, we will absolutely share all the backlinks, um, Irina, for uh, the coffee and sangria, and and. Uh, Speaking for myself, I love coffee. If <laughs> <laughs> surprise, I love, surprise. <laughs> I love sangria and I love to talk. So <laughs> here we go. Here we go. You see? <laughs> we just checked three boxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, this has been a great discussion. And uh, I would also like to reach out to our audience and let you know if you have ideas that you'd like to share, we would love to hear them in our comment section. If you have a question or would like to suggest a specific topic for discussion, you can email us at jointheconversation at petitequeen.com. And as a reminder, if you want to stay current on all of our insightful advice, these fabulous podcasts, what's new, you can sign up for our weekly wisdoms newsletter on our website at petitequeen.com. So thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been a great episode. Thank you very much.